0: Welcome to Modern Career, I'm your host, Mary Hummiston. Whether you're thinking about changing, advancing, or even reinventing your career, we want to help you live your full potential. In each episode, I cover work and career topics, leveraging my HR leadership expertise, and through interviews with other career experts and professionals from around the world. Subscribe today and visit modern-career.com for blog posts, pointers, career stories, and more. Let's jump into our next episode. Welcome to Growth Strategies to Advance Your Career. Today, we'll discuss a perspective on career progression from the inside with a talent expert who will highlight tips on how to think about growing and progressing your career within a company along a path that makes sense for you. We're excited to have with us Richard Taylor. Richard is the VP of Employee Experience at NASDAQ, where he's intent on transforming people's relationship with work. His focus is reimagining everything from company values and culture, leadership, recognition, careers, and elevating the day to day work environment. Prior to NASDAQ, Rich has held leadership roles in HR at Palo Alto Networks, LinkedIn, Applied Materials. Reuters, and several startups. He has a bachelor's from Bates, a master's from Harvard, and he studied for his PhD at Berkeley. Welcome, Rich. We're so honored to have you with us this morning.
1: Thank you so much, Mary. It's great to be here.
0: Rich, I was curious, just before we jump in, I mean, your role sounds really cool. So let's talk about what does it mean to be a VP of employee experience? And I'm also a little curious, you studied divinity at Harvard, and your PhD that you were pursuing at Berkeley was in Buddhism. I'm just curious if you see any connection in what you studied and what you're doing today. Share with us your thoughts on that.
1: I think there is a connection. It may not be obvious at first, but both of the areas I studied comparative religion at Harvard and Buddhism at Berkeley, they're humanities, and they're very much about human beings and people and how we are amazing and different and diverse all around the world. And now that I'm in employee experience at NASDAQ, which is, in a way, a new name for talent management, more from the employee perspective than from the company perspective, the employee experience focuses on the employee. It's a very human-centered work, and my job is to put human beings first. Many, many people in the company focus on making money, and that's important, and running a great company, and that's important. I really focus on the people, how they're doing, what's going well, what's holding them back and making sure that that experience is as great as it can be.
0: That's awesome. And of course, how one pursues their career within a company and all aspects of talent are within your remit and have been. So we'd love to get your insights. What do you think are some important steps that one should think about as they manage their career within a company? What are some of those various roles? What's the role of the employee, their manager, the company itself, or anyone else?
1: Some of the first steps is to really take ownership. I know many people earlier in their career aren't even sure how to start thinking about this, and maybe they sit hopefully waiting, well, I'll just do really high-quality work and they'll notice me. My boss will notice me. People will notice me. And that may be true, but it's kind of a gamble. I would much rather, and I've given people coaching on this, really take ownership. It's okay if you don't know exactly what you want to do with your 40-year career. It's a very, very long time to think about, right? But jot down ideas. Think about the role you're in. Think about maybe your last role or what you were doing at school. What do you really enjoy? Think about your day. Are there parts of your day that you think, wow, that was pretty cool, and I'm really glad I got to do that? And other parts of your day, you think, oh, I had to struggle with X, Y, Z, and it's not my favorite thing. That's a really important clue as to what you're interested in, what you want to learn more about, and how people can help you. So start by just jotting out ideas. What makes me interested? What makes me curious? Who are people at my organization who do this? Maybe they're more senior and I should get time with them, connect with them, understand how to do more of what I love. And eventually, if you have some ideas jotted down, try to group them into shorter term interests and curiosity. And some longer term stuff, some people want to become more senior, some people want to become more broad. That's great. But I would really get time with your manager and ask him or her in that session, and I would make it like an hour not like a drive by in the hallway, schedule some real time with your manager and talk about what you think you're really interested in. And rather than say, I want to be more senior or give me more money right now, I would say to your manager, can you help me pursue more of what I love? Can you help me with projects can you help connect me to people that you're aware of that do this in the organization or even outside the organization? Basically ask for help and frame it as, I want to do more, I want to do better. And almost every manager in the world will say, well, that's great. I want to help my employees do more and do better. So you're setting up this very positive reciprocal relationship versus me, 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 give me what I want. It's a mutual exchange of value.
0: That's great. I would love to follow up on a couple. The ownership piece I always call it career empowerment, and you're right. Who else would you want to be leading your career for you than you? (laughs) So I love that, and really paying attention to what you like and what your interests are. Often we, we pursue things for all kinds of other reasons than what's truly us. The real time with your manager, let's talk about this a little. You talked about it as really seeking it out, but also asking for support and sharing what you want and getting that support some people find this easy and some find it a little more challenging they sort of wait for the manager to tap them thoughts about that
1: i almost always recommend being proactive and owning it you talk about like being the ceo of your career this is really important if you're not the ceo of your career well then who is i would be concerned about that right But I think many people are intimidated by this conversation with their manager, and they think that the expectation is you're supposed to go in there and lay out your 30-year plan, and it's all mapped out, and promote me today, and all these kind of scary big things. I don't think it has to be intimidating. I think you can start setting up a regular conversation with your manager so it doesn't become awkward. It's something that happens every quarter. And you can talk to your manager about what you want to do more of and how you can grow without always starting out with a promotion. For instance, I want to get more comfortable with public speaking. Are there meetings I can attend? Is there training on this? Are you aware of anybody in the organization who's a great public speaker and spend time with them? So you're helping your manager help you on a specific skill, in this case, public Mm. speaking, or it could be spreadsheets or it could be whatever. So you're asking the manager to help you be better. You don't start out saying, oh my gosh, I'm underpaid, promote me right now. That's a very difficult conversation for both parties versus Mm. I want to grow. I want to get better at something and I have some ideas about what those are. Can we just talk about that? I think people imagine they have to walk in there with this completely written out business plan. You don't. It can just be a conversation. Can I talk to you about areas I want to grow? Almost every manager will say, well, sure, that's a great thing to talk about.
0: Yeah, an ongoing conversation. You're absolutely right. And how important is it to make sure that what you're thinking is aligned or that you're able to shape it? I know you've seen and I've seen assumptions on the part of the manager that get shaped because of those conversations. Maybe they don't think you're geographically mobile. Maybe they don't know what your ambitions really are or that support. It's absolutely critical, as you say. Richard, what are your thoughts about career purpose. You talk about, of course, it's important to know your interests and what you like and what you don't like and all that. But purpose being different, purpose really being what you're really called to do in your career and who you really are. Thoughts on how important it is and how to think about it?
1: I think it's so important, Mary, and it breaks my heart that I meet people sometimes who seem to have never found that. And Maybe it's like falling in love. Like, I don't know how that's going to happen exactly for each person. I can speak about myself and people that I've worked with that you really do your best work when you feel that there is something higher or bigger about it. So for me, my work is not just making my little department successful. I really think about the people that I'm charged with caring for. My role is employee experience. So I really feel like I'm making people's lives better and in the process, making the company better and maybe even helping the companies that are listed with NASDAQ learn and share and grow with each other's tips. So whether you're in finance or real estate or sales or marketing or whatever it may be, who are your clients? How are you helping them? Why are they better off because of you? And I think that if people approach their work and long-term their career as just a paycheck and how do I maximize my money, it becomes very mercenary. And of course, we work for money. Of course, this is not volunteerism. But I want you to look back on your 30 or 40 year career and be proud and say, I did something meaningful. I actually made a difference to people. I improved things. I can walk away with pride that I actually left my organization or maybe the world a tiny bit better because of the kind of work I did. And when you have that sense of purpose and that inner motivation, you really will do better work. You will get recognition. People will see that light in your eyes and they'll think, wow. I want to work with her. I want to work with him. They have this passion that's exciting and that enthusiasm. You can't fake it. Like You really have to feel like this matters.
0: I so agree. And I really can relate to that. I think HR people have seen when people have that clear purpose and how powerful that is and how, as you say, heartbreaking it is when it's not there. And it isn't that it's always there and you always have it figured out. And sometimes you do have to just have a job for the job's sake, but it's that process of finding it over that span of your career, feeling connected to something bigger than yourself and knowing that your work matters and that it affects other people and you're having such an impact. That's spot on, Rich. What's a realistic expectation for how often one could expect to be promoted and how should they think about that on their career journey? I often get asked this and I'd love your perspective on it.
1: Well, I'm really glad you asked because there's always the fairy tale out there of the one gal or the one guy who was amazing and got promoted every six months and I'm sure that happens maybe once in a while, but I think much more realistic is to be in a role long enough to really make an impact. I'm not sure you can make a huge impact in the first six months when you're just learning the job and you're learning the relationship to the people that you work with around you. And if you're new to an organization, you're learning that whole organization as well. What's their vocabulary and these acronyms and how does this work? So I think early in the career, many people may experience more rapid promotion every couple years. I'm aware some people get promoted more quickly, but I also worry about people promoted so quickly they go from job to job to job, kind of leaving a trail of stuff behind them that's not really complete or not really impacted. So I look to early career folks. I'm talking about the first five or 10 years of your career. You may be promoted every two or three years, maybe sometimes faster, maybe sometimes slower. But I wouldn't only focus on the title, like is my title bigger? That's a very hierarchical way of thinking versus is my scope growing? Am I learning new things? Am I picking up new responsibilities? Very often we grow broader before we grow up. It's almost like a triangle. You're building a solid base. If your base isn't solid, you could tip over when you're in a more senior role and there's just a bunch of stuff you don't know because you haven't experienced it. So it's important to build that base of knowledge and experience. I would say as you become more senior up in the senior manager level, director in many companies, senior director, promotions do slow down and some people will reach their level. They will reach their capacity. People in my role may never get promoted again or maybe one more time, mid-career, maybe every three to five years. It really will vary by the organization, the size of the organization. And also something I want to clear up for people is they think I'm doing a great job. I should be promoted in my job. And I have to point out, you know, we pay you to do that job. A promotion is a different job. It's a bigger job. It's more senior. It's more responsible. Often we can't promote somebody even if we want to unless there is that kind of job available. So you're trying to match people's readiness and their willingness to move up with availability of roles.
0: So sometimes there is that growth within a role. You might take it with a really good degree of stretch. And once you've achieved that full contribution, there could be promotion within that or title advancement within a role.
1: I totally agree. And in that case, I would propose it's not the same role you started with. Mm, It's been mm -hmm. incrementally growing, growing, growing. And when you look back two years, you say, well, wow, my team has doubled, my scope has tripled, I've taken on a bunch of new clients. Now, maybe it is time to think about retitling, but then I would say it may not be the very same role that you started out in, and that's a success story. You grew that role into something more, and I hope the organization will recognize that.
0: Exactly. So, what you're saying though is there's no formula, it's a combination of readiness and circumstances.
1: Right, and I've actually had an engineer in my last company, I won't name names to protect the innocent, but an engineer approached me and said, Rich, I've been in my role 2.4 years. I've delivered the following software projects. What's the HR formula for being promoted? I think it's time. And I had to say to him, I appreciate how data-driven you are, how thoughtful you are about this. But there really is no formula. It really is about your readiness, circumstances. Is the organization growing? It's hard for the company to pay more money if it's shrinking right? So it's also the larger ecosystem that you're working in. Mm. People can be myopic and think about me, 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 me. I really encourage us to think about we and how do I help the organization be successful. And the organization will try to help you be successful as well.
0: I really agree with that. By the way, in my own career, I've always found when I just had my head down, I was really just all about the we and the work and the goals at hand. Good things happened. You know what I mean? They just showed up and the right things fell into place. I do think, I always say it to myself when I put my head up and I was in that me mode, it didn't, it really does work that way. Rich, you mentioned obviously how important it is to have that ongoing career dialogue with your manager. How does someone begin and maintain that expectation setting conversation? And why, again, would some people feel comfortable and how can others be more comfortable doing
1: that? I would encourage people, even when they first joined an organization within their first few months, let's pretend you're my boss, Mary, and say, you know, hey, Mary, it's so great that I'm in this new role. I'm really enjoying it. I'd like to set up a regular time for us to talk about how I'm doing, what could be better over time, what more I could pick up. I'm really enjoying this role and I'd like to do more. And so I'm setting the expectation with my manager This is something important. I wanna grow and I'm not gonna spring it on you like surprise, promote me today or I'm leaving, right? That's a hostage situation. Versus setting up a really healthy ongoing dialogue. Mary, I wanna grow, I wanna get better. I'm sure you hired me because you believed in me and I want to continue to deliver great things and support you and help grow. So you're setting up for the very beginning a healthy and positive relationship. Again, more about we and helping the manager and the team do well and your contribution. Also, I think it's important that we ask for feedback. And this can be very intimidating. What if you hear something you don't like? Right. My point is I'd rather you hear something that you can act on than not know. Mm -hmm. And it continues to be a problem holding you back. And yes, depending on your level of confidence, some people find this conversation easier or harder. But I really do encourage you to start. It's like anything. Practice will make you better. You'll feel more confident. I've had feedback on filler words. Rich, you have a lot of ums and errs and likes. And I've really worked on that. Then I can show the person who gave me feedback, hey, I listened to you. Feedback was positive, And Rich is open to feedback versus, oh, he's scary to talk to. I don't really want to give him feedback. And then unknown to you, it's holding back your career.
0: Rich, how does an employee continue to grow in a way that they won't feel stuck, or they can mitigate feeling stuck. They can keep gaining new experiences, keep up with the necessary skills as the world changes. So they never feel they're in that career cul-de-sac.
1: Right. Many people have shared this with me over the years, that they've been doing a job for a while, they're good at it, but they're really not sure where to go next. So my first question for them is, what are you curious about? There's things that you know and that you're great at, but what are you curious about? What do you have questions about? And what might you do to volunteer for something else? And it may be completely outside your job scope. For instance, I've worked with some young people in different companies, early career, and I suggested to them that they form an early career network. They form an employee resource group around being new to the workforce and the questions they have, and they show their leadership by forming a group. Or people will come to me and say, I wish we had more socializing in the company, more ability to go have a drink or go have lunch together. And I say, well, why don't you organize that? Well, it's not my job. And I'm like, well, right, it's nobody's job. Here's your chance to volunteer, to show up as a leader and meet new people. So, in that way, I encourage people to continue to offer to volunteer, to be curious, to ask questions. What else can I help with? It's the people who put their hand up that organizations want to invest in versus I'm really good at my job and my manager better figure out my next step. Well, that may not be a realistic request. I think, again, CEO of your own career, you need to figure out your next step. And it may be by testing things, getting involved in new things and new projects that may take you in a new direction you didn't expect. But simply sitting in your role and doing your job is great, but it's not going to progress your career. You're going to just be good at your current role. Rich, how can an
0: employee ensure that they're recognized for what they're contributing and they have the right amount of visibility without being seen as, let's say, too obnoxious? I often hear a lot of questions around visibility from women. And is there in your mind more of a gender opportunity here in this area?
1: I have seen gender differences and I won't say all men or all women, but statistically there's research around this. The first part around just in general for everyone about being visible, you're right. If you're too focused on blowing your own horn and trumpet, people can think, oh, What a showboat, always talking about themselves, kind of obnoxious, right? But I do think it's real, and I'm speaking as a manager myself for many years, we get amnesia. So it's the end of the year, and I'm writing the end of the year review, and I'm thinking, you know, what happened in August, September, October? I completely forgot about January, February, March. So it's really important as your months and years are going by that you yourself keep track of your achievements and bring them up gently in the one-on-one, and particularly at the end of the year when you write your own review how can you bring it up in the one-on-one? For example, Mary, I want to give you an update on this project. It went really well. Here's some customer feedback we got. I don't know if you heard anything. I'd love to get some feedback on that project. But you're bringing it up in a professional way to get feedback. But also you're saying, I delivered it. It's done. Customers were happy. You're checking in around it versus kind of pretending it never happened. You should take a victory lap, get credit for things that you deliver, And as you go along through the year, write those down. So at the end of the year review, you're cataloging the many things and the feedback you got. That's really important. Something else I think is applicable to everyone is giving others credit. Again, it's not all about me, me, me. I could say, Mary, you ran that meeting so beautifully. You faced some pretty tough questions and you handled them so gracefully. You kept your poise. I admire your professionalism. And hopefully you're telling the truth and not just BSing, right? And then the person you're talking to says, well, this is somebody that I want to get close to and confide in. They make me feel good. I don't just mean like, you know, blowing smoke, but actually giving quality feedback. You can expect the same as well. So you're building up your brand. You're building up your internal brand as somebody who cares, who's paying attention, who's supporting others. Now, what I will say, and there's research around male and female roles in organizations, women tend to keep their head down and get their stuff done and be really, really competent. And try not to be beating their chest with the bravado and the loud voice look at me, look at me. Men tend to be ready for, they think they have lots of potential. Of course, everyone has potential, but men will try to get ahead more on the potential of what they could do, and women more often on what they have done. And we've seen research around this even in job applications. Women may look at a role and say, oh, well, of those 10 bullets, I only have eight or nine, I'm not sure I'm qualified and they deselect, right? I'm not ready yet. And the guy might look at it and say, well, I have five or six of those bullets of those 10. I'm going to go for it, mm-hmm. right? So I don't want women to hold themselves back by not being perfect or completely ready in every way. And also the guys, you know, it's great to think you have potential, but you also have to demonstrate some results. That
0: is spot on. And I had a direct report years ago who I learned something from. She would come to her meetings with me with And very much in the mindset of managing her manager, of course, which is fantastic, but always an agenda, always clear about what she wanted to get out of the meeting. But she started with reminding of what had been done in the past, but also what is going forward. So it was the look back and the look forward. I also think she did that well with her peers. So I've picked that up over my career, and I think it's a fabulous thing. Your point about credit, I think it's a great check-in for all of us and for anybody listening to say, how often do I do that and how would I rate myself? I do it occasionally, I'm kind of low in a one to five or I'm in the middle or I'm really, really good at that. And my focus is giving others credit, knowing that also reflects really well on me as well. But putting it out there more than you're touting yourself, which is great. Hey, Rich, I wanna cover a different topic. We had a survey that we did before we launched Modern Career about 100 or so people responded and they shared with us, what are the topics you'd really like to know more about? And there are a wide range of topics. No surprise, one of them was, how do I deal with unconscious bias in the workplace and how to not let it affect me to the extent that I can or to mitigate the effects it might have on my career journey? Clearly, a very important topic. Clearly, racism of any variety is flat out unacceptable, not something we should be tolerating in any form, in any way, but often there is, separate from that, some unconscious bias on all kinds of fronts. How do we continue as individuals in the career journey think about that?
1: I'm glad you raised that, and it is a very sensitive and tricky topic It's also hard for any one individual to deal with it. I hope companies are looking across the organization at pay parity. Are we paying people equally for similar roles? I get deeply involved in succession planning, which is thinking about the next leader or leaders who could potentially take a role, like CEO or senior executive. And we look across potential successors and think, do we have a diverse and broad and deep pool of potential successors? Men and women, people from different ethnicities, different backgrounds. That's systemic stuff, right? On the Mm -hmm. individual level, it can be so hard to know, am I dealing with unconscious bias? Am I dealing with politics of another kind? Or is there something that I just don't know? I've become aware as I've become more senior in my career that my managers and the senior executives are in meetings that I'm not in, and they're just things that I don't know. And it's hard for me to always say on what basis they're making decisions when I don't have all the facts, right? I'm not saying that we should throw up our hands and say, oh well, I can never know. I think you should look for signs. You should think to yourself, what kind of feedback am I getting? Am I getting credit for the good work that I've done or is that being glossed over? Are other people who've done similar things at similar quality, what kind of feedback are they getting? Maybe you have a manager who doesn't give feedback ever. It's not just about you. It's, they're not great at giving feedback or compliments of any kind, right? And that may not be aimed at you. It may be a managerial development area for that person. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you find yourself being left out of small chat, if the manager greets people in the hallway every morning with a big hearty hello and just a tip of the hand to you, interesting you're being treated differently. Are you invited to social events? Are you being asked to give your feedback in the meeting? When you speak up, do people talk over you? And if, and I hope you do, say, I'd like to finish my sentence, please, in a polite way, and they continue to give that a hard time, you have to ask yourself if you're in an environment that is not really welcoming of you, and whether it's your gender, your racial background, your education, who knows what it may be. If you see this pattern over time, honestly, I think it's very difficult to fix. You can try to address it directly. You could talk to your HR or people partner. Over time, I have found when I've seen that, it may actually be easier to look for a different environment because it'll take a lot to change a deeply difficult environment like that.
0: You mentioned one time to me this concept of having your own career board. And I'd love your thoughts on that. I have used that myself, and I've found that earlier in my career, I probably had the typical, you know, your manager and a mentor and somebody. And then I really realized that they weren't as what I would say diverse and broad a board, if you think of that way. And I mean, very informal board of people you go to, to say to your point, am I looking at this situation right? How might I handle it? What is the right thing or the best thing to do, given that context? And they help you sort through all those kinds of things. Over the years, I've realized too, that it's so powerful to have that broad a perspective because people can help from very different ways. I actually had the benefit in my last role of expanding that with someone who asked me to mentor them and I asked them to reverse back mentor me. She's in her 20s from Kenya, an engineer at Rolls Royce We've maintained this reverse mentoring relationship as I even left to another role. And it's benefited me, I would say, probably more than it's benefited her. She's very, very direct with me, too, which I value. And someone in their 20s having that confidence is a great thing. But that's often the case of looking at that network of people who give you advice and input and perspective and really asking yourself how broad and diverse and rich is that benefit in that perspective.
1: Well, I love the mentoring story. And I think that's the untold story of mentoring is that very often mentors learn more than their mentees. It Mm. makes you think about first principles and why, and have I made assumptions that others are questioning? Like You have to really think deep about the current state. In terms of this external board, I think it's really important. And most of us know that companies have boards to help represent external points of view, but also be a resource for the CEO and the executives. And in a similar way, I think each of us should have probably a much less formal board. But to your point, A broad and diverse group of people, maybe one-on-one or maybe together over dinner or something, who really give us candid feedback. And I don't mean candid like code word for nasty. I mean Mm -hmm. really honest and vulnerable feedback. Here are things that we think you're doing great or you're good at. Here are things that are difficult. Maybe you talk a lot and it's good to listen. What do they say about you have two ears and one mouth, right? So it's helpful to get feedback from people who know you, who care about you, who love you. And to your point, Mary, diversity try to get men and women, try to get people from different backgrounds, people who know you from different contexts, from work, from family, from friendships, from maybe nonprofits you're involved in, get feedback and ask questions. I'm struggling with XYZ at work. If it's for you, how would you handle it? Or what are your take on this? Do you think I'm reading this the right way? It's really helpful to get that feedback and informally treat it like your board. It's your personal and professional board.
0: You mentioned earlier that promotions as you move up further in your career can be fewer and far between, and at some point you hit a ceiling. How does someone recognize when they've sort of reached that ceiling in a particular path?
1: Yeah, again, very sensitive and very personal. For me, I always think, am I finding myself consistently bored and or frustrated? And I don't mean you had a bad day or even a bad week, maybe more than a couple bad months. If you look back on the last few quarters and you think, wow, I'm not loving my work. I'm hearing the word no a lot. I'm frustrated with things I'm trying to do, or there's just organization resistance that maybe you think you can't break through. Maybe it's time to think about, again, back to what you really love, really enjoy. Are you in the place where you can do your best work? And again, it's not just about me, me, me. It's your contribution. If you're in a place or in a role where you think I can no longer do my best work, there are probably alternatives. But before you run screaming away from your organization, it's very often worth it to look around internally, not just to your manager, who could be helpful, but also to other people in the company you respect and begin to be curious again. Are there roles in this other team or what's the hot topic of the company right now? NASDAQ is moving very much toward agile. People who put their hand up for Agile, they're going to be popular people, right? It may take them completely out of their current role into this major change effort. So start to think about the signs you're seeing and whether it's time to think about a new role, but it may well be inside your organization. It may also be outside your organization. One more thing I would add to that is not only around your skill set and your ability to progress, but values.
0: That's great. Some people take advantage of those things because it also gives them a broader portfolio of skills than just, I'm a legal person, or I'm an HR person. or
1: Exactly. It exposes the larger organizational life. First of all, you're going to get to meet people that you may not work with on a daily basis, but it's Mm -hmm. also part of the oxygen or the lifeblood of the organization. Something's growing, something's changing, something's happening here, and smart career people get themselves involved on key projects. It's great that you're delivering quality work on something that few people will see. I'm glad you're doing it, but what's really important for visibility is be on those hot projects. Mm -hmm. So a year or two ago, NASDAQ revisited our corporate values and, and completely rethought them, framed them as short, actionable sentences, like act like an owner or lead with integrity. And we assembled a cross functional and global team called the culture club with apologies to boy George. And we deliberately looked for junior people, not senior executives who have to do everything already. Right. But junior people who were identified by local leadership, as high potential. And they were in Bangalore and Manila and Sydney and Stockholm and Vilnius, Lithuania. They were all around the world, but junior. They volunteered, they put their hands up, and they got involved in this really cool global corporate project, which touched so many things. Our values then, once we organized them, they led into our 360 leadership tool, our recognition tool, our end of the year performance review. They're in our proxy. This junior group of people all around the world got to put their hands on something really cool And to your point, it wasn't their day job. It wasn't the legal team or the marketing team. This was a cross-functional project. So it's a chance to be involved in something really different, really new. These are people who had a passion around values, behavior, culture, and they become kind of famous. And it's really helped a lot of their career to grow because they're known now to a much larger group of decision makers than just their own management chain.
0: You say they're known now. What are your thoughts on one's reputation and their personal brand and why it matters?
1: It's everything. Let's talk about personal brand because I have this theory that your brand will often precede you, meaning people will hear about you likely before they meet you. And what will they be hearing? I have friends in marketing who tell me the way they define brand is what people say about you when you aren't in the room. That's your brand, right? And so how are you cultivating that brand? Are you somebody who's respectful at all times Are you somebody who speaks up, but not in a pushy way? Like you want to challenge an idea and do you say, oh boy, that idea is stupid. Or do you say, I have another idea. Are you guys open to a different perspective? So you're finding a way to put things on the table without being obnoxious, right? Is your brand high quality? Is your brand that you deliver on time? Is your brand that you collaborate really well and you yourself can hear different ideas? So you're creating a brand for yourself through your everyday interactions including not just how you show up and manage up, like people who manage up have executive presence. That's great. But how do you treat the receptionist? How do you treat the waiter at the restaurant when you're out for a business meal? Your brand is everything. It's actually everything. And people who are more thoughtful around that, I find, do much better in organizations. They don't just turn it on You know, when the CEO's in the room. They're showing up as a great professional and collaborator all the time.
0: I love that. One day, My executive assistant in one of my former roles said to me, there were several leaders up for a promotion at the same time they were competing for this one role. And she said, I hope so-and-so gets it. And I thought that was interesting. I said, why is that? And she said, because when he walks by me, he always looks at me and says hello and often asks how I am. And I said, you mean the others on the list don't do that? And she said, no, they wouldn't even know I existed. And I find that so interesting, Rich, to your point is, you're right, it's the treatment of all, and it says an awful lot about a leader. Rich, I'm curious, if you're willing to share, what are some personal growth strategies you may have employed to drive your own career?
1: Sure. One of them is I'm very curious. I think I have this reputation in my current company, too. I ask a lot of questions, and I have to be careful that I don't come across as kind of snarky, but when I first joined, I had a lot of questions. Why do we do this? We badge in, but we also badge out. Why do we badge out? What do we do with that data? And some people get locked out and they're very frustrated. So often asking questions leads me to potential ways to make improvements. And I was able to get the badging out thing changed and make life a little easier for people at NASDAQ. But it's been a great way to find out what needs doing is to ask lots of questions and then To be the one who puts their hand up and says, I'm willing to get involved in that. Not that you have to lead everything, but that you could be involved in things, again, outside your day job that make you look like someone who thinks bigger, who is willing to work more broadly and form a coalition. I love your story earlier about your person on your team who walked around with not necessarily an agenda, but always prepared for the meeting, always prepared to know what to talk about and help manage. I've found that being organized has helped me a lot. I start every day knowing what are my big tickets, and I have a list of things to do, but I have asterisks next to my big tickets. These have to get done today. They're really key. And other stuff I'll try to get to today or maybe tomorrow. But the way we think about time, the way we value our time is really important, I think, in career growth. It's helped me to focus on the big things and not always be amazing at all the little things. I get to them as much as I can. Something else I think has been really helpful is to really show care for other people. When you see somebody who's stressed, when you see somebody who's overwhelmed, even if it's not something you can directly help with, to check in and say, how are you doing today? How are you really doing? And try to be a friend to people. People want to work with others who are genuinely friendly and helpful. And if I can contribute in some way to reduce the stress or take on a bit of the work, I will.
0: What's a great piece of career advice you may have received or learned throughout your career and your leadership experience to date that you might share?
1: It's something that took me a while to learn, Mary, because early in my career, I think I was like many people, I really wanted a bigger job, largely because I wanted more money. I was trying to save up for a house and start a family and all these things that many people do. So I was really chasing title and salary, and I would look for every opportunity to show up, to shine, to toot my horn. And I got some feedback around that, candidly, and made me reflect. As I've gotten further into my career, I've really realized it's not primarily about title and salary that makes me happy. And that may be different for different people, but I really want to make a contribution. So the last 15, 20 years, I've really focused on what do I think I'm good at? And it's not everything. I am not great at everything. There are some things that I'm terrible at. There are some things I think I have some skill with, and I really want to focus on how I can contribute. And that is when I've done my best work. And frankly, Mary, that's when my career took off. I had plateaued for a while. And when I really focused on my skill, my contribution, how I make the organization a better place, Mm. I think I really did shine. And people were willing to put me into more senior roles, even though it was a bit of a risk. I didn't have all the experience, but I had enough of a brand and a track record to take a risk.
0: We really appreciate hearing from all of your experience and from you sharing with us so many insights and strategies on ways that can really help people advance their careers. Thank you.
1: Thanks very much.
0: For more resources on this topic, visit us on modern-career.com and on social media at Modern Pod. We'll include the sources noted in the episode in our show notes. Look forward to talking again very soon.